proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out cardinal directions from inside a convention hall. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about PAX Unplugged. First, we discuss a game we've both played recently, Mission Elf Possible. Then, I recount my PAX Unplugged experience to Ambi and share my thoughts on the convention as a whole. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Recently, we got a review copy of Mission Elf Possible, which is an online escape room type game. And I say we because Crystal and I both got a copy. Yeah. Yeah. So we both got key codes and we were able to play it separately because we didn't have time to play it together. Yeah. Basically, I was at PAX. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we had to play it separately. Yeah. Mission Elf Possible is an online, completely online escape room type game. It's like a mix between an escape room and a puzzle hunt. And it's a story about Santa getting kidnapped. So it's holiday themed. It's by Puzzling Pursuits. So at puzzlingpursuits.com. The game has a mixture of riddles and then puzzles like a puzzle hunt, which a puzzle hunt, like if you aren't in the Blitz Discord, we have a channel called Puzzle Hunt and we've been doing a bunch of these online puzzle hunts, which are like usually free to play team-based activities that go on for like from anywhere from a day to a couple of weeks where there's a bunch of puzzles that you're solving uh, and usually like themed and they're like word puzzles and ciphers and different things. So this kind of reminded me of an easier version of that because it was only like an hour long. So it has a mix of that and also kind of like a video game escape room type puzzles. So it kind of reminded me of old escape rooms. Like when escape rooms first started, they were like flash video games. <laughs> if you remember that. Do you remember that, Crystal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, this is, I, it, it actually even is reminiscent of text-based adventures, you mm -hmm. know, like the stuff like Zork and things like that. And especially as they moved further and added in graphics, so it wasn't pure text only, but yeah. there is text input as part of this game. Like it, yeah, yeah. it's intended to feel like you're having somewhat of a conversation at times, but not like full dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So there's like text and then you're inputting answers into the text with the story. So there's story and a picture. And so the whole thing is on a website, a web app. So it's best played on your computer. Uh, I just played it on my computer. I did not try it on my phone because I, yeah, I looked at I it on my phone and then was like, I'm going to play it on my computer. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would work well on a phone. I doubt yeah. that it would. I think maybe a larger tablet um, would Maybe. be okay possibly but I think having a large screen was beneficial because there yeah. were some puzzles that you could click and drag windows mm -hmm. around and like view mo multiple things at the same time yeah for me the controls worked okay there was some lagging on some of the controls so it wasn't like really good controls like a nice video game or anything uh but it was decent I played it by myself did you also play it by yourself I did uh because Toby doesn't like online escape rooms so i just played by myself which we learned the last time we tried to do one kind of as a group and toby just yeah. noped out of it and left you and i to do it on our own yeah, um, yeah so so i enjoyed mission elf possible okay i'm not sure how fun it would be with more people since the the game itself was pretty linear i guess it could be done with more people talking along and just one person controlling the clicking and stuff because there's in some of the puzzles, it's like clicking and dragging and then you input the answers. So like one person would be doing that. And I'm not sure how much other people would be able to help with that. Um, yeah. So it seems like it's best with one person, maybe. Maybe like a couple other watching and helping. 
one cool thing was it had a link to Christmas music for background music that you could play. <laughs> so yeah, because the like, web app itself didn't being... have any music, so it yeah. was nice that they they linked to something. Although I will admit, I didn't click on the link because I didn't know whether they were using royalty free or licensed music. And mm-hmm. I'm one of those weirdos that participates in Whamageddon every year, oh. which is this <laughs> online thing. For those of you who are not aware, you try from December first until Christmas, you try to not hear Wham's version of Last Christmas. And somehow, being in multiple airports over the past week, I am still in. I have not wow. heard Last Christmas yet. I know, I'm shocked. Every time I was walking through an airport and they were playing just generic, you know, right, average Christmas songs, I was like, oh no, it's coming. And it never happened. So I'm still in. But yeah, I didn't click on the playlist because I was afraid it was going to be real Christmas music. It was, I think, mostly instrumental. I, I only listened to a few of the songs and then uh, stopped. But yeah, it was instrumental stuff. Okay. <laughs> so I agree with you that this is probably best as a one-player experience. And that mm-hmm. actually, like, for an online experience, that's not a bad thing. But mm-hmm. I actually was a little bit bummed that that kind of felt like it was the case. Because the theme and the story, in my mm-hmm. mind really lent itself to like a family experience not necessarily the puzzles themselves but like the story and the theme that were going on seems like something that would be really enjoyable to like have the kids join in on in theory but then the puzzles did not feel like group activities so Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of a disconnect there but the story is quite adorable and there's all these um you're the main character obviously that's trying to help solve this mystery but all of the elves that are helping you along at different parts of the thing, you get to choose which elves are the ones that are going to help you with any particular task by giving you something. And there's only, this is not really a spoiler, but like it's not a branching narrative. Um, I actually thought it might be when they gave me each options of who mm-hmm. would like to choose. And then I realized that that wasn't like, it didn't matter yeah. in the end. <laughs> Um, but I still thought it was neat that like they gave, they they gave you something that felt like a little bit of agency, even though it ended up not really Mm -hmm. being that. Yeah. And each elf elf has like a little backstory and special things that they're good at, which was kind of cute. Yeah. There's one that's good with tech and one that's Mm -hmm. a baker and one that (laughs) is super sneaky and one that's more of a fighter. So yeah, like they're all thematic and the illustrations are very cute. Like it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, like a drawn animation style, but I really did like the illustrations that were part of the scenario. Yeah. So how did you like the whole experience overall? So like you liked the story, the illustrations, um, but then the yes. puzzles. The puzzles mm. for me, this, uh, and I've run into this in a few different like escape room games, both online and in real life. There's sometimes a puzzle you run into where you can tell what you need to do and you just can't figure out how to do it. And Mm -hmm. running into, like, one of those puzzles is occasionally, like, okay. Like, it's just like, oh, my brain isn't grokking this or whatever. But that happened to me more often with this one specifically. And admittedly, I could be very tired from being at PAX (laughs) all weekend. And that could have been played into it. But, like, I I solved a couple of them really quickly. And then the others, I was like, I know what I need to do. And I just couldn't suss out how to do it Mm. right away and so I used they did have a really good hint system so to that end it was nice so like when I was having those moments of difficulty their hint system was really robust and beneficial in that way but I had more moments of frustration with the puzzles than I would have liked and again that could be just a me thing or it could be 
a puzzle thing, I, you know, it's obviously hard for me to tell. What about you? For me, I think I don't remember being super frustrated with the puzzles, but they were they weren't like super fun puzzles. I think a lot of them were were more like, yeah, kind of frustrating, like busy work to go through it that wasn't fun puzzling as opposed yeah. to puzzles where it's like exciting figuring out the solution and that part's fun. It's more like, you know what you're doing and then it just takes, a, it's a slog to get through more. And then yeah. one of the puzzles I think wasn't executed well. I, I don't remember what it is, but I just have this in my notes that one of the puzzles, the answer was Was it the penguin even. one? Because um, that oh, yes, one I yes. feel like... Okay, because yes, this is not a spoiler. We're not going to discuss the details. But like that one, if you were to describe it to me in an audio format, like how it works, it would make sense. Like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But mm-hmm. in practice, it was more difficult than it should have been based on the way it was set up. And like, yeah, it was and just I feel like fiddly. the answer they had was wrong. Because like, <laughs> I, I, can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't like give it away. I can't do spoilers. But like I was like making sure I had the right thing and then it was giving a different answer than like what it should be and so yeah (laughs) it was there were spatial aspects to that one that were not intuitive I will say Mm -hmm. and so I I definitely had to use a lot of hints and again that's another one where like I could see all of the pieces and I could tell what I needed to do to some degree but it was just fiddly and frustrating to figure out what the actual answer was. But like, it's tough for me because I'm like, it's a cute puzzle. It's a cute idea. But the execution just wasn't quite as good as I would have hoped. Yeah, agreed. So overall, for me, Mission Elf Possible, it was okay, but like nothing mind-blowing. I wouldn't go out of my way to play it. And I think it's priced highly for what I would expect of it. Like I wouldn't pay full price for this game what is the full price for it Uh, i think it was like 18 dollars or something wait let me see okay which like for the level of production like the the online portal works well the animation is great there's a cool little youtube video at the beginning to give you like the prologue of the story and it's in like a storybook and it's animated and the pages flip like all of that the production is great but Mm -hmm. just if you're like a hardcore puzzle fan Mm -hmm. then you might not get your money's worth out of this. But if you are not as stressed about the actual puzzles themselves and just want a cute story puzzle experience, like there might be some value Mm -hmm. in it for you. Yeah. And then it's probably more valuable too if you just like play it with your family and then enjoy the cute story stuff. And then the puzzle, you just like kind (laughs) of go through the hints on that or something. (laughs) If that's like how you want to play it. And I'll admit, I'm like... The final puzzle, I was a little <laughs> frustrated by too because of how the answer was. Oh yes, yes. Like I, 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 had I many I'm not other answers sp- that made sense. <laughs> yeah, I was but... like, I tried a bunch of things before I looked at the hints, and then yeah, I was like, too. oh. I, I technically could give a hint to our listeners just to be like very generically like, hey, pay attention to X, but I don't want to do that. So <laughs> just know that the final puzzle technically. There's a clue for it, but you just don't know it's a clue when you're, when it's given to you. So, <laughs> but yeah, Mission Elf Possible. We're, we're giving it a very mediocre, it's okay, and it's a good <laughs> Christmas story, I'd say. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Ambie, I have to say one of the most frequent questions I was asked while I was at PAX Unplugged was, mm-hmm. is Ambie here? Because, oh, really? <laughs> yes, everybody misses you like crazy, and they were very much hoping that you also came. Um, and so obviously they were completely understanding about why you weren't there, but they were all like, I think just seeing me, they were like, oh, is Ambie here too? Like they all wanted to see you and... I've been approached at, you know, numerous cons over the years by fans of our podcast or our Twitch channel or the the Dice Tower stuff that we do, but never more so than at this particular con. At PAX Unplugged, there were a lot of people that came up and introduced themselves and said that they like the work that you and I are doing and like and it wasn't just a generic like, oh yeah, I listened to Board Game Blitz. It was so many people expressing how much they appreciate and value what you and I are doing. And it, I, I, spoiler alert, I didn't cry in front of anybody, but I did cry. <laughs> like, wow. it's, people think that, you know, like, that I'm something like this, oh my gosh, this unapproachable person that they know. And like, I, they mean more to me, I think, than I do to them. Like, I, mm-hmm. they are, you all out there in, in podcast listening world and wherever else are the reason that, you know, one of the main reasons that Ambie and I do this show and getting to hear from so many fans of the show at the convention was absolutely delightful. And I tried to give out stickers and or pins to a bunch of people and I'm sure I missed some. But I, before I talked about anything else at the con, I just wanted to say how grateful and appreciative I am for those of you who said kind things. It means more to me than I can express. So thank you for that. Yeah, it, it yeah. looked like a lot of fun. I saw a couple of pictures over the weekend. I was not, I'm not on my phone that much anymore, but <laughs> I, I did see a couple of pictures and it looked like a lot of fun. There's so many people there. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, yes. And especially like a lot of the newer board game content creators mm-hmm. that have kind of come up during the past couple of years, you know, the ones that are big on TikTok or Instagram and other platforms, mm-hmm. new YouTubers, mm-hmm. I, I got to meet so many of them. And I was just, <laughs> it was funny when I met our family plays games. It was the first time I'd ever met them in person. Uh-huh. And I basically attacked them. <laughs> <laughs> saw them and I screamed and leapt up from my chair and just ran around a table. I'm sure I probably scared some people because I was just so excited to see all of these wonderful humans who are making spectacular board game content Mm -hmm. um, and just like helping diversify both the faces and the types of content that are about board games, you know, mm-hmm, like yeah. it's board game content has never been more diverse than it is right now. And it's because of a lot of those new content creators who have been coming up. And as you all know, you know, that was one of Ambie and I's things as to why we started the show. Like we saw a need in board game content and we wanted to help fill it. And there were lots of other needs too. And more of those are getting filled and mm-hmm. oh, it's just so good. So good. <laughs> Yay. I wish I wish I could have gone to PAX. I, I wanted to be able to teleport there. That would have been Oh, nice. I, I actually told yeah. people that because you had told me <laughs> that. And so I told people, it's like, yeah, Ambie was like, I just wish I could just like teleport in for a minute or whatever yeah. just to see people. And um, and they would have loved it if you, if you could have. Unfortunately, I haven't made that. I haven't developed that technology <laughs> yet. Yeah, as much as I love Star Trek, it hasn't happened in real life quite yet. <laughs> yeah. So um, outside of 
Oh, oh, outside of all the people, um, what, what were some of the highlights you had at PAX? That is a big question because there were a lot. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about games first. I did have some meetings with publishers that I scheduled, mm. and that gave me the opportunity to get some looks at upcoming games from different publishers. That I felt was really valuable. I didn't have, I didn't schedule as many meetings as I could have because I didn't want to overwhelm myself. Mm. Before day one, I was exhausted. Like, because we had done, there was a um, an industry meetup that I went to, and we had been running around and doing stuff. And you know, I haven't been to a convention or around this many people in literally yeah. two years. And so, and it was far more exhausting just to have that, that social interaction happening constantly. So for me, even as an extrovert, it was a lot to deal with. And that was a sentiment that I heard from multiple people. Was this your first convention, like scheduling meetings as a media person or have you done that before? No, I've done that before. Um, but I think I was better at it this time because I did it for Gen Con two years ago <laughs> okay. and a little bit at PAX Unplugged two years ago as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done that. And I felt bad because there were some um, publishers and companies that didn't reach out until like the day before the con mm -hmm. or even during the con and like really lovely people. And I just... I could have theoretically tried to throw something on my schedule, but I really just tried to be conscious of my own, you know, like mental yeah, and tough. physical health. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, I did not get to meet with some of the companies that I really wanted to. But you know what? That's okay. There will be future events or mm -hmm. there's emails and other ways to communicate. But who I did get to meet with. Well, so I um, technically this wasn't a scheduled meeting. This was just a demo. But you and I had both played an early prototype version online of Restoration Games mm -hmm. Thunder Road Vendetta, which oh, they launched a now. Kickstarter for. Yeah, they launched a <laughs> Kickstarter for it and then canceled the Kickstarter and are relaunching it in January. And I have to say, like, truly, like, I enjoyed playing it on Tabletop Simulator. It is so much better in person. This mm. is... I think, honestly, that is w what is probably going to be their most difficult thing to get over is the fact that they haven't been able to demo this game for people at mm -hmm. cons as much mm -hmm. because the physical game moves so much faster. Like a lot of, you know, online experiences slow down gameplay when you're moving pieces and parts around. But like it plays really great in person. It is literally... Mad Max Fury Road, the board game, but it's not licensed. You know, it's just Thunder Road <laughs> Vendetta. You've got your cars are racing to the finish line and blowing each other up constantly and flying off the side of the road and like just getting destroyed and you're destroying your own cars sometimes by mistake. The hazard die kind of randomly determines when a clash happens where the cars go and it's pure mayhem from moment one and it's super fun. I really, really enjoyed that. And from Restoration Games also, they launched a new game called Buried Treasure and Buried is spelled B-E-R-R-I-E-D. <laughs> it's a pie themed game. Yummy. Ooh, pie. <laughs> yeah. And in the rule book, the, the first player rule says, if your name is Suzanne Sheldon, you go first. <laughs> and Rob and Justin did that without telling Suze. <laughs> so that was funny. <laughs> but it's a take that style game, which I'm not usually mm -hmm. a fan of. But it's one of those ones that really like has it dialed in perfectly as far as like the game length is short enough that the take that doesn't feel bad because you're just hmm. everybody's constantly stealing pie cards from everybody else and the way the card draft works you can mitigate that to some degree by what cards you draft from the middle of the table so buried treasure if you like look at the mechanics and you're like oh that looks too mean i can say definitively 
it's the right level of mean for the length of game and it's quite fun like <laughs> the right level of mean <laughs> no i mean truly like you know because like take that yeah, mechanisms yeah. can be used well and this is an example mm -hmm. of that i think cool. it's a really good family weight game especially like if you're looking for a gift for the holidays or something i got to demo jerry hawthorne i actually got to meet mm. him in person and i'd never met him before so that was really cool and we played a couple rounds of his brand new storybook game called familiar tales the story in this one, Ambi, is the mm -hmm. cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> really? It's, yeah, like, oh. this is, I got, this isn't really a spoiler because it's literally what happens right at the beginning of scenario one. But the story is there's this, like, wizard or something who lives in a house with four familiars, like, little creatures that are, mm -hmm. well, one of them's not so little, but <laughs> they his little creatures. And a woman shows up in his front door with a baby and is like, they're after me. I have to go shoves the baby at him and leaves and then he has the four familiars run off with the baby and you are one of those four familiars oh. trying to take care of a baby throughout it's like as it's growing up like you're with what? the kid and so you're taking care of a kid and you're building a relationship with the kid and wow. oh man so it's, so it's like what, a parenting theme <laughs> kind of kind of and um the path branches because the map you can choose different routes to take and what they've done that's really really cool is they have voice narration just like what they yeah, did for forgotten waters so mm -hmm. like it's kind of a marrying of the forgotten waters online app-based system and jerry hawthorne's storybook games and it's so good i'm really excited about that one mm -hmm. i want to play this one uh, yeah yeah no like oh i mean i like jerry hawthorne's stuff i've played a number of his games already but this one's real fun oh gosh we're never gonna i'm never gonna finish if i try and go through everything but <laughs> yeah. jurassic world the legacy of isla nubar coming from funko and prospero hall coming to kickstarter in march i got a preview of that y'all as far as legacy games go, I'm stoked about this one. It's real cool. Lots of neat stuff to open. You literally start on Isla Nubar as an empty island with that you're just scouting to build your park. And then you move through the plots of all of the movies. It's fully licensed and there's lots of cool stuff there. There's a couple of really neat games coming from Floodgate that I'm super excited about. Decorum is a cooperative game about decorating a house but you have private objectives that you have to meet. And those may conflict with the other players to some degree. So like you may disagree about how to decorate the house and it's scenario based. It's, it's ridiculous and I'm so excited about it. They also showed me a prototype of Sagrada Legacy, which I was also excited about because I love Sagrada. And then I can't remember the name of it, Ambi, but there's a real-time game that Ooh. they're going to be launching next year. It's a really simple, light, real-time game where you're playing cards and there are different colored hourglasses and they all start laying down on their side. And as soon as you play a card with the, the hourglasses matching color on it, because there's like a yellow, a red, a blue, you know, mm -hmm. purple, whatever. When you play a card with that color on it, you have to flip that hourglass up. And then if you play a card with that color on it again, you have to flip the hourglass over. So oh, okay. and it, multiple players are playing cards in turn order. And they, you just have to keep flipping these hourglasses. There's one generic hourglass that can be flipped anytime you play a card of a single color, no matter what the color is. But once the deck is empty, that generic hourglass can't be flipped again. And you have whatever's left in it to finish out your hands. So, like, the end of the game is crazy frantic. It was super fun. Really is that light. But like, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I want to play it. Um, yeah. But, like, <laughs> we don't know I the mean, name, I saw. No. 
<laughs> I know, I know, I don't hold on to the name. I'll find out. I'll tweet at them, okay. and I'll okay. I'll find out. I looked on BGG <laughs> to see if it was like on there, if I could figure it out. Like I looked at Floodgates page, mm-hmm. and I oh, couldn't I couldn't find it. I could just be missing it somewhere, but or maybe it's not on BGG yet because it was definitely yeah. a prototype version too. Oh, okay. So, but that one was neat. There is also okay. So I'll move into a new section here, which is <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the classic cardboard room during the con. Is, Ambie, that's and like I old found, games. Yes, old oh, okay. games. Like <laughs> you I mean, love, and those, not so. just like Monopoly and Scrabble and what. I mean, those mm-hmm. things are in there, but like every old board game you could imagine, basically, is in this oh, room, wow. including like VCR games and electronic mm-hmm. board games and other stuff. And Ambie, I found a game that you should look up. <laughs> it's called Situation Four. Four is a numeral, not a word. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna read you right now the description on the side of the box. Because I took a picture of it specifically. And I was going to tweet it at you, but then I was like, no, I'm going to save this for the podcast. (laughs) So here we see the description on the side of the box of Situation 4. Here is a game and a puzzle combined. Each player or team has a complete puzzle, identical except for color. Both puzzles are played on the same area. The object is to cover more area than your opponent and score more points. (laughs) Special pieces. Special plays. Watch the crowd gather and join in the fun. So, <laughs> so like area control jigsaw puzzle. Yes, <laughs> like you play the same puzzle from different sides of the table toward each other, and like Steve T's partner looked up the rules once I pulled it off the shelf because I was like, "What the heck is this?" And like, there's paratroopers and other stuff. Like you're actually like fighting at some point. <laughs> All I know is I was like, so "It's cool. a battle puzzle game." I have to tell Ambi about it. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm, I'm adding this to my want one... to playlist. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it could be complete garbage, obviously. Like, who knows? But just in concept, I was like, that sounds really interesting. You know, mm-hmm. in practice, who knows? But <laughs> I did not get it out of the box and play it. But I did play some other games in classic cardboard, including 13 Dead in Drive, which Ooh, did, I had that I think, one. It used to be called 1313 Dead and Drive, I think, didn't it? So the one I had was 13 Dead and Drive, and there's a different one called 1313. I'm not sure which one came out first. Okay, because this one was definitely not the crazy old one, because it said, like, 25th anniversary or or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But it still had the fun components. Oh, 1313 came out in 2002, so I guess that was a remake of 13... Okay, I don't know why that's the one that was in my head then, but this was just 13. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Eric Summerer and I played it together, and it was just as delightful as I wanted it to be for an old gimmicky board game. (laughs) We also played a game with Jeff Engelstein called The Inventors, which had the coolest dice tower I've seen in any game in a long time, because you put the two dice in the top, and then you push down a plunger, and the dice fall down, and they hit a bell, so it goes ding when the dice come out. And the dice tower also has built into it these clips. And when you get inventions in the game, you can patent them. And then you slide the card into a slot on the side of the dice tower. And a patent clip gets clipped onto the card. And you pull it back out and it has a patent clip on it. And the patent clips have random numbers on the back of them that, like, change the value of your invention. So it was, like, both functional and unique. So that was Hmm. cool. 
I got to witness the tournament of cheese champions that our friend Flip Flory hosted once again. I did not participate. But, you know, anytime Heartthrob get, hits the table near me, I have to go observe because it's Heartthrob. And I played Dream Phone with Christina from Blue Peg Pink Peg, which we, we were just recently on their podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you all have not heard that, you should definitely head over to Blue Peg Pink Peg feed and check that out you know if you want to listen to ambie and i talk for a lot longer than 30 <laughs> minutes but yeah she and i got to play dream phone together with another peghead and that was amazing i hadn't played it since i was a kid and it was just so much fun i mean it's not a good game but it's a fun game <laughs> so yeah that's a lot of games that you played were there were there any like specific events that you went to that were really fun Yeah, I went to a couple different meetups, one that was for like industry people and another one that was for content creators. The industry one was hosted by Rachel Blasky and Stephen Bonacore. And then the content creator meetup was hosted by Chris, the charity board gamer. And both of those meetups had a lot of people at them. And it was just pure joy the whole time, basically. I just was just so happy to see all of the like friends that I've known for years and the ones mm-hmm. that I've met online over the past couple of years that I'd never gotten to meet in person. So those were both really, really fun. I also went to, there was a Haba event where they brought a whole bunch of German Haba games that have never been published in America and can't be published in America for one reason or another. Like either they're too expensive or they're too dangerous. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I played, uh, the best one I played, I think, was an ice fishing game. It's polar bears that are ice fishing. And mm-hmm. the board is made up, you put it in the box and it's double layered cardboard with holes in it. And you put a, a sheet of paper between those two boards. So the holes are filled in just by paper. And you have a big wooden stick that you can stab through the paper with (laughs) to actually, like, break the ice. And then the other end of the stick has a string with a thing with a magnet on it. So then you can go ice fishing. And there are tiny metal ball bearings in the bottom of the box that represent the fish. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is never going to pass muster in America. (laughs) It's dangerous for a whole bunch of reasons for children. But for adults, it's quite fun. Um, And there were a couple other games that I played there that I am literally, like, I'm not going to order that one from German Amazon because since it's a German game, the type of paper it uses is the standard size of paper in Europe, not mm -hmm. America. So I don't want to have to keep ordering A4 size paper. (laughs) But there are two other games that I am going to order from German Amazon. One is called Werf and Weg. (laughs) And the other one is called Diego Drakenzahn. (laughs) But I played a few others like Croco Lores and some others. And yeah, it was just tons of fun to see games that are never going to get published in America. That's cool. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, you would have really liked that event. Like it was really quite fun to just go around. There was one, mm-hmm. it was a math game where you literally just roll two dice, multiply the two numbers together, and then you have a giant plastic fly swatter and you have to swat the fly <laughs> on the table with the number that is the total of those two dice multiplied together. I was shockingly good at it and I don't know why. <laughs> like, that sounds but so like, funny. Truthfully, if you wanted to teach a kid multiplication, like Mm -hmm. it would be a great game for that. Like we actually had fun playing it and there was Mm -hmm. nothing to it aside from math. (laughs) So like that was it. That was the whole gimmick and it was still fun. I mean, giant plastic fly swatters are fun to use, right? Yeah, my nephew would like obliterate us at that. (laughs) (laughs) And it would probably be fun to watch him do it. A couple other 
big highlights for me, Unpub. I got to spend some time in there and try a few different prototypes of games, including some that definitely don't have publishers yet. There was one that was called Colorblind where that's team-based and one team wears glasses that are tinted blue and the other team wears glasses that are tinted red. And mm. based on which team you're on, the strips of paper that were that had numbers on them, you could only see half of the numbers. And you're trying to place them so numbers are in sequential order. But the other team who can't see your numbers is also placing strips down onto the table and messing your stuff up without even realizing it. So that was mm. interesting. I played another one that is definitely a kid's game where you're bouncing rubber acorns into a box and trying to get them to go into holes so you can make your squirrel climb a tree. Uh, <laughs> like pure kid's game, but like very much in the vein of something like Rhino Hero. Like mm -hmm. adults would have a blast with it, particularly if they were consuming adult beverages, I think. <laughs> and I got to uh, meet up with Aaron Wilson, who uh, you all have heard me talk about before. His game Sovereign Skies was one of my faves of the past couple of years. And he is working on the follow-up Sovereign Sons, which Deepwater Games will be publishing most likely later next year. Um, but I got to take a look at that. And he also showed me I, two of his button-shy games that I had never played, which are published. They're not unpub. They're just out there in the world. He has two two-player trick-taking games that I somehow had never tried before. Why I Otter. Why I Otter. You know, like the pun. <laughs> and then his second one is a follow-up to that with this, with similar artwork called An Otter One. So it's An Otter One. Yeah? An Otter One? Yeah? yeah. So they're, they're the I, same... Uh, same uh, world of yes, otters? They, similar artwork, and they're both two-player trick-takers, and the first uh -huh. one is simpler, and the second one is more complex, and they're both mm -hmm. really fun. I only was able to buy one of them because Buttonshy ran out of an otter one, um, but I'm going to order it from their website. Oh, the first look section! I was so excited about this pre-con, and it was just as wonderful as I hoped it would be. I scouted out a lot. I scouted. I didn't say that intentionally, but I scouted out a lot of the games from Tokyo Game Market, um, including Scout, which is a <laughs> Taiwanese game that is that got picked up by Oink Games, who is a Japanese publisher. So I think they're going to be distributing it here in America. Scout is a trick-taking game. It is super fun. It's like you've heard some people have probably heard buzz about Scout online. All of it is well deserved, and it's great. I loved Scout. There was another one called. In Japanese, it's must buy, but the English translation said must buy. <laughs> you are a yacht racer who is trying to buy masts for your yacht to make a pan flute. <laughs> yes, those things don't make sense. And that is what it is because there's these wooden sticks. And it's a bidding game where you're, uh, each stick that gets drawn out of the box goes into this little glass bottle. So you can't quite tell how long it is. And everybody's bidding money to win these masks, these wooden sticks. And at the end of the game, you score for a sequential run of masks that are different sizes, but they're mm. all five millimeters apart in size. So like... You're like, oh, I don't want to get another mast of this same size because it'll break up my run. But wait, is that the same size? And you literally can never tell. And it was so much wow. fun. I loved it. It was great. Wow. So it sounds like you had a lot of fun with a lot of games and seeing a lot of people. Um, with like seeing all those people, uh, how was the safety of the con? Like, did you feel safe with like everything going on? 
That is a really good question. As our listeners likely know, I have been holed up in my house basically for the past two mm-hmm. years. Like I've gone to work when I have to, but I'm, I've barely gone out to eat. I've really not been going out and doing anything. So this was the first time I had been out and around a significant number of people in a really long time. And mm-hmm. part of the reason I haven't gone to other cons this fall is because I didn't feel like the precautions that they were putting in place were enough for mm-hmm. me personally. I felt really safe at PAX Unplugged. Like my anxiety was not bad at all. The staff, the enforcers were just as friendly and wonderful as they always are. And apparently they had way less enforcers than they usually do, but it did not feel like it at all. There was always somebody around from the PAX staff. Like if you had a question or needed directions, they specifically had people assigned for like mask enforcement. Like they were literally walking around. They had the the label on their back of their shirt saying that masks were their thing. They had a box of masks, like in case, you know, anybody needed Mm. one, but like, I've been a a few places during the pandemic, both here in Vegas and elsewhere, and you always generally see, you know, a handful of people with masks like pulled down below their nose or on their chin or whatever. That was not a thing at PAX. Like every time a mask started to slip off somebody's face, they were immediately pulling it back up. And like you didn't see people without masks anywhere except for areas that had been specifically designated like this is an eating area and they had signage to that effect they required vaccinations and masks for every attendee and we all had wristbands for the vaccination and they checked both your badge and your wristband every time you came and went from anywhere and sometimes even in the midst of the con like when you were walking Mm -hmm. into the main hall they would check those things again It felt like the most responsible group of people I've been around since the pandemic. Aside from maybe like when I was in the Bay Area, Ambie, like Mm -hmm. I went to a park there near you that you recommended (laughs) that has the Japanese gardens and everybody there was wearing a mask. And I was like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, this is wonderful. Even though we're outside, people care. Um, it, It felt like that. Like it felt like everybody cared. And I am confident saying that the that that the standard that they have set, I am hopeful will other cons will learn from this and do it and i'm really hopeful that you know we don't find out after the fact that anybody has gotten sick but you know obviously that's not a given we're recording this a day after i've gotten back but it felt like they did as much as they could and that made me feel really really good so yeah i uh i'm appreciative to matt morgan and the pack staff for creating an environment in which even somebody like me who is high risk and high anxiety (laughs) could safely hang out with people and game. It was just, it was pretty awesome. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Have you visited lastlightgame.com yet? Go there now to learn more about the game and the upcoming crowdfunding campaign. And don't forget you can get 20% off non-exclusive items at grayfoxgames.com by using the code BGBLITZ21 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Boardgameblitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, do you really want to join me? Do you really want to play a game? Bye, everyone. Bye.